This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. So let's say that you are the owner of a business. Perhaps you are, in fact, the owner of a business. And uh, you have left well-credentialed people in place of your business. You've got a clearly stated mission and purpose on which your business is about. And you have a policy manual in place which allows all the different guidelines that's necessary to, uh, for your employees to conduct the business as you need them to. And let's say you leave, and after a while you send auditors back to collect the dividends of what's coming to you. And the first auditor you send back to your business, they see you, them coming, and instead of welcoming them, they beat them up and they kick them out. And you send a second auditor to come and check out your business. And they do the same thing to the second person. They kick them out, beat them up. You send a third person, they do the same thing. Your own employees doing this to the auditors that you send for your own business, they beat them up and they send them on their way. And so you, the business owner, the owner of the company, think, well, I guess I'll send them my son. Surely they'll treat him with respect. But they see your son coming. And they say to themselves, ha, this is the heir. We'll kill him. And when we kill him, the business will be ours. Now you're the owner of the company. What are you going to do about it? You're going to let these thugs get by with it? Or are you going to take action? Are you going to hold these folks responsible for what they have done? And are you going to put the business into the hands of others? Jesus told a story very similar to this in the Gospel of Luke, the 20th chapter. And just so that we might hear a little better, I invite you to stand this morning for the reading of the gospel. One word. We just celebrated Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The day after that, Jesus went into the temple and he took a a whip and he drove out the money changers, turning over over the temple tables. And just a day or two later, he tells this story that we're about to read, which is just a couple of days before they kill him. He began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and leased it to tenants and went to another country for a long time. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants in order that they might give him his share of the produce of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Next, he sent another slave, that that one they also beat and insulted and sent away empty-handed. And he sent still a third. This one also they wounded and threw out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they discussed it among themselves and said, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. 
So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Heaven forbid! But he looked at them and said, What then does this text mean? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the scribes and the chief priests realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to lay hands on him at that very hour, but they feared the people. You may have a seat. So what's the vineyard? The vineyard from the early days of the nation of Israel was the people of God, the people of Israel. They understood this. The vineyard was them. God had raised up a little vine out of Egypt and he had brought them to this promised land. And one of the primary ways that God's people are described is the vineyard, that the vineyard produces fruit. And the owner of the vineyard is God. And the owner's son is Jesus. And Jesus is telling them what's about to happen. He wants them to know that God knows it, that he knows it, that they know it, that they're about to kill him. But Jesus wants them to know something else. He wants them to know that they're not going to get away with it. They're not going to get away with it. And so Jesus tells this story against them to help them to understand that they've been unfaithful. They've been unfruitful. They were put in charge of God's vineyard. They were put in charge of the business. And they were put in charge of the company. They were supposed to bear fruit. They were supposed to be a light to all nations. They were supposed to be a people of justice. They were supposed to be a people that cared about the poor. They were to be a people of prayer. But they squandered all the things that God had given them to bless other people. And Jesus is giving them fair notice. Now, he told them this story, yeah, just a day after he'd cleared the temple. Well, the temple was this elaborate, wonderful construction of a building under King Herod. And this ornamental building was a place where people could come and they would bring their offerings to God. But it, it turned into a marketplace. And this was a place where the poor were taken advantage of. And this was a place where people were caught up in religious rules and regulations. And they'd taken the manual that God had given them, the Torah, and they just kept adding more rules and more rules and more rules. And they made it more difficult for people to really have access to God. And so Jesus, the day before, he just went in the place and he drove those suckers out. He said, thugs, get out of this place. I've had it. And God's had it. This is supposed to be a place of prayer. This is supposed to be a place where people of all nations and all people can be blessed. 
And so the vineyard, I'm going to take it away from you. And I'm going to give it to somebody else. And you know what's so amazing about this story? Forty years later or so, the Romans come and they tear that temple down. It's never been rebuilt. Only the west wall stands there today. We call it the Wailing Wall. Never been restored. It's as if God took the vineyard away from the people of God and gave it to others. And friends, you know, I think that kind of explains what God does in every generation. You know, we have church. We don't have temple. We have different, more scriptures. But in many ways, it's the same God. It's the same stuff. God gives to every generation as keepers of the vineyard, as owners, as caretakers of the business. And he wants us to be the people of God. And so what does Jesus say to them? He says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He, he quotes the Psalms. He quotes the Old Testament. He, told, he quotes their scriptures. And he's saying that about himself, isn't he? He's saying, I'm the cornerstone. And, and you're, tripping, you're tripping over me. And when you reject me, when you trip over me, you're going to fall into pieces. And that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel and the religious institution of the day. And what Jesus is wanting to do in our day is, is, is what is explained so well in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22, where Paul is saying, in him, that's in Christ, God's wanting to build this whole structure. And the structure that God's building today, the church, isn't bricks and mortar. It's not about bricks and mortar. It's about this living spiritual community of faith that you and I are a part of. And Jesus is the cornerstone, right? He's the foundation on which our lives are being built. And we're built into that holy temple in the Lord. Not a physical temple, but our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Point, point to yourself and say, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Spirit lives in us. We're this living house. And we're being built together spiritually for a dwelling place for God to dwell. See, that's the image. That's the vision. And friends, it's so easy for me, I suspect it's easy for you, to sit back and be so critical about those religious people back 2,000 years ago and recognize how they blew it, how they became uncaring, how they lacked their concern for the poor, how they were not bringing people to faith. How they were missing the mark in so many. It's so easy for us to step back and be critical. But I got to say, in every generation, God gives the vineyard over to others. And today, we're the others. We're the others. We're in charge of the vineyard. We're in charge of this part of God's vineyard, the church, as a part of Schweitzer and this Springfield community. And, and the, the question is, what are we doing with God's vineyard? What are we doing with the business, with the company of God? How are we being faithful to the owner's son? Are we being fruitful? What's the fruit that's coming out of our lives and our church, our family, as a witness in this community? I was a pastor once of a church in Kansas City. It was a beautiful, incredible structure, a good old gothic stones, you know. And there was an ascension window in the back. 
right behind me, above the choir loft. It was rated as one of the top 10 stained glass portrayal pictures in the nation. I mean, people would come to church and they say, well, you know, even if the sermon isn't very good, I get inspired by looking at that window. I don't quite know how I felt about that. But, but that church was an interesting church. It had over 2,000 members in the early part of the 20th century. But by the time that I arrived in the 90s, it had been declining for 30 years. And we, you know, we did some things. We tried to mix some things up. Uh, one time we had communion, and I had, there was one guy that was wearing communion, and no one told him what he was supposed to wear. And he wore sandals and, and a T-shirt wearing communion. And I had one of the ladies say to me, I will never be served the sacrament again by a beatnik. <laughs> I didn't know he was a beatnik. Even if he was, that's okay. I had people criticize the children for running in the church. Someone needs to teach the children how to be reverent in their walking. We had people, youth, skateboarding in the parking lot. I had people walk into the office and say, Pastor, you need to tell those kids to get off our property to stop. But what really was the kicker, soon after I left there, my successor tells the story. They had a donut time, coffee time, kind of like we have in their fellowship center. And one time there were some street people that came in and drank some coffee and had some donuts. And a lady walked up to the pastor and she said, Pastor, these people do not belong here. Ask them to leave. And the pastor said, well, what would Jesus do? And she said, Jesus isn't here. Today, that church is closed. <laughs> the building has been given over to a new church start. It's as if God was saying, I'm going to take my vineyard away from you, and I'm going to give it to others. Friends, God's been given us a lot God's given us a lot. And we're in charge of the vineyard. What are we doing with God's vineyard? I want to walk us through a little bit of, of maybe an audit, the idea that we place ourselves before God. And one of the things that you can do is, is conduct a personal audit. One of the things I, th I think is so important in our personal life is to find a time where we put ourselves in the presence of God every day. I hope you do that in, in a very intentional way. Put yourself in the presence of God. And it's one of the things that I want to do when I do that is I want God to take inventory. I want to do inventory. Uh, how am I doing, God? In the midst of a personal audit uh, three or four weeks ago, I really uh, sense God saying to me, how much of you do you still need to give over to me? It's as if God was saying to me, Bob, you know, you're fruitful. You're doing things. How much more could I do if you gave me everything you are? So one of the most important things that you can do as an individual, I can do as an individual, is to conduct a personal audit on a daily basis. And then there's the church audit. 
we have done ministry audits here at Schweitzer. And if you are a leader of a group of any ministry at, at Schweitzer, or you're just a worker in the vineyard, I invite you to take these questions to your group. Questions like these. Are we a house of prayer? Are we a place where we sense the presence of God? Is this a place where people come and pray? Is the presence of God palatable? Are we seeking God in this place? Are we a church that is making an impact in the community? What's the fruit of our efforts in our neighborhood and in the greater Springfield area? When people look at our lives, do they see that these are a people of justice? These are a people that show compassion and mercy. These are the people that walk humbly with God. Are new people coming to know Jesus Christ through us? Do we share faith in our life, in our home life, in our community life, in our work life? Do we invite people to worship with us? Do we invite people to to serve with us? How invitational are we? Are we bringing new people to come and know Jesus Christ in a personal way? Has he become the cornerstone in your own life? Have you built the foundation of your life on Jesus? Would you like to? If you have, how can you help other people to build their life on the cornerstone, which is Christ? Are we meeting the expectations of the owner of the company? Uh, Good questions to have. Now, in our 940 worship, we recently have put out uh, some thoughts. And one of the thoughts was, well, what if we move this service to the Outreach Center. What if we did an experimentation on that? And I received many emails, and I received some phone calls, and I received several sidebar conversations. And with the exception of one email that said, Bob, you are just an incredible leader. Uh, I'm happy to do anything that you want me to, want me to do. Love, Susan. Other than that email. <laughs> everyone said, stay put. <laughs> We're, we're, so we're going to stay put. We're going to stay put. We're, new speakers are coming. It's going to help those of you who are on the front rows. And oh my goodness, you're on. There's people on the front rows. And but, but the question we want to do is, how can we, how can we, help you or help all of us here to engage in passionate worship? And when you are being transformed in your worship experience, that's what we want to see happen that we are becoming more like Jesus and that this is a place where people come and they're experiencing God. That's what we want. So we're kind of doing an audit of sorts to the 940 service because we want this sense of worship to be a place where people come and know God and meet God and find God. Anytime you can help us 
get better at that. Help us to know. As you embrace yourself and become a part of this worship experience. Now, church audits, personal audits, there's also the community audit. There's a community audit that's been done recently at Springfield, and Quadrant 1 in Springfield has been named as the place in our community, Northwest Springfield, that particularly is in trouble. Quadrant 1 is a place where there is extremely high unemployment, where there, uh, there's a greater crime rate, where children are, uh, by far the majority, are being raised in poverty. And in the greater Springfield area, we also recognize that poverty is on the rise, that something like 52% of all children in Springfield are, are under the poverty line in, in the sense of what's occurring in their lives. We also know that in Springfield, the unemployment rate is below 5%, and yet the poverty rate is 26%. How does those numbers jive? Some people are unemployed. Some people are underemployed. Some people certainly have jobs. They have two or three jobs. Uh, there is lots of issues. There are lots of issues all about us. What can we do about it? What needs to be done that is relational and transformative? Recently, the leaders of Springfield, the leaders of the, of the government, came to us, the church, the pastors, and did something that no one ever remembers before. The city leaders came to the church and said, we need your help. And so there's a major Springfield community event coming, sponsored by Convoy of Hope, May 7th, at the fairgrounds, in which people are coming together, 50 pastors, 50 churches coming together with hundreds of people in the congregations all around Springfield coming together in a one-day event that wants to say to everyone that receives services that day, you are a guest of honor. How many of you have ever been treated like a guest of honor? Yes. How does that make you feel? Where do you have to go to be treated like a guest of honor? Sometimes, maybe in your home, maybe you've gone to some people's homes and you've been graciously greeted as a guest of honor. Maybe you've gone on a cruise. Maybe you... On this one day, what I love about this event is they're wanting to say everyone that receives services that day are treated like a guest of honor. And everyone that day is given an opportunity to come to a faith tent, to a place where they can receive prayer, where they can receive Christ. Everything's free. Salvation, by the way, is free. But the intent is that so many people are beaten down in life. They've made bad choices. They have low self-esteem. They oftentimes do not have a network or a family around them. And we are coming together as a faith community to say we want to restore a sense of dignity and hope in people's lives in practical ways. Let's take a look at this video about this special event.
What if you truly believed that you could change your city? Not the structures, the roads, or the traffic, but the people. What would you do? When you'd look around you, would you begin to see potential instead of poverty? Would your eyes be opened to the value of your neighbors? Would you start to realize that sometimes the simplest things make the biggest difference? That even something as basic as a haircut can inspire confidence? Or that a new pair of shoes can not only change the way people walk, but the way they carry themselves? And would you begin to believe that providing health exams does more than just bring peace of mind, but has the ability to change hearts as well? Or that giving a child reason to smile can brighten their entire existence? And what if you believe that offering someone something as simple as a bag of groceries could be the one thing that brings hope to everything? I came to the Convoy of Hope outreach today for the services offered because they're needed and helpful at the moment, very helpful. Everybody's constantly making sure that we have what we need and if we need help finding anything and there's just lots of people to help you. It's given us hope today. That's the hope we needed. <laughs> By giving back to your community, you'll play a part in changing the lives of families and giving them the hope they need. By coming together as friends and neighbors to pray, to give, and to volunteer, we'll transform lives. Hope starts here. So there's one of three ways in which you can respond to this opportunity. One is that you can volunteer for the May 7th event itself. And you can uh, go, uh, if you want to pull out your card, your connection card in your bulletin, and you can go to number two, and if you want to volunteer for this event, you can simply write in volunteer May 7th by number two on your card. You can go to the website, convoyofhope.org slash springfieldmo. Just start Googling it. You're going to find it somewhere. Uh, but you can go to that website and you can learn more specifically about the vast opportunities in which you can serve on May 7th, being a part of a huge camp, uh, rally on Friday evening the 6th. Or you can help us right here at Schweitzer to distribute flyers on Saturdays, April 2nd and the 16th in our neighborhood, in our area. So that the people that are living in the pockets of poverty, uh, people that have any service need, anyone that doesn't have basic cares that, uh, and services that most of us take for granted, can receive this information. So you can help us by simply writing distribute flyers by number two in, on your card. Or you can donate. donate. And Schweitzer is giving $1,000 as a base that we're giving. When we do hands-on mission work, we, we provide money for those things. If you want to give to that, you can write a check today or the next week or so to Schweitzer, memoing it, Convoy of Hope, and we will see, see that those funds go to help support this major effort. After service today, we have uh, Linda McAllister. Linda, would you stand? She's the coordinator of this event. And she's here, and Jeff Fugit is back there at the table following the service. You want to come and visit with some people? People like Dan Emery, who's leading the photography ministry. But uh, it's an amazing opportunity where you can get groceries, free haircuts, family portraits, how many times do the working poor have an opportunity to get a family portrait? Job services, being able to get to the root of the, of the issue of employment, health services, 
many of our health centers are coming together and helping provide basic care that day. Kids Zone, prayer ministry, and more. This is one of the things that we can do with other congregations. I love this, the community of faith coming together. And one day doesn't change everything. But one day can make a great statement and can touch a life and to give people in the name of Jesus Christ hope. And friends, uh, the deeper thing I want to talk about is uh, the ongoing ministry that we have here in this community. We did a two-by-two, walking out, praying out, uh, knocking on some doors, visiting New Beginnings people in Harmony House yesterday as Jason sent us out two-by-two. And in those conversations and in those, some of those gatherings, you, you see poverty all around us. You, you just walk across uh, the street here and you come to some apartments that are really just like slums. And we know that uh, from the stories that drugs are sold. The place where Stephanie used to live as a kid. Uh, you go around poverty uh, all around just off sunshine on the south and the north of us. And there's degrees of all this. And you go to the schools. and What we're wanting to do in these relationships is to understand that people need Jesus and they need to be served in body and mind and spirit. Some of our folks that went to New Beginnings, uh, it's great stories of women that are coming out of incarcerated situations. And they made some bad choices, but they don't have a family network. They don't have a way of getting started. And the cool thing is, the first 30 days, they're a part of our faith community, Church at the Center. And then they can go to whatever church they want to. But it, again, it's always about housing. It's about transportation. It's about relationships. And it's about one person caring. So... We don't know all that God is leading us to do, but we know that we're going to build on what we're doing. In our Jobs for Life, we had six graduates, some that had a master's degree, some that had a basic high school education. Both, both extremes are saying that this is one of the most beneficial things they've ever been a part of because they're guaranteed a job interview, if not a job. Some people are underemployed because they don't have the job skills. They don't have the life skills. They've never been learned. They've never been taught. Our community garden that's right out there in the lot, Stanford Community Garden, we want to double the size of that. Where our Burmese community and Anglos can be in relationship with together. In our food pantry ministry, recently we've had three women that have come back a second time and they've stepped into the faith of the center community on Sunday evenings. In our ministry at Pittman School with tutoring and with the Good News Club and with the other outreaches that are happening and occurring, we want as the faithful caretakers and tenants of God's vineyard to be able to know that the owner of the company, Jesus Christ, who bought it lock, stock, and barrel is pleased. Because we believe that Jesus is here. 
And he really is the only person that we want to please. Will you be a part of this ministry? Many of you already are.